And you are listening to The Breakfast Show this morning. You are joined by myself, Lawson, my good friend Matthew in the studio. Also, of course, DJ Shell on the decks, getting it done. And right now we are going to get into our next quiz question. Okay, guys, in Romans chapter 2, Paul said God will repay each person according to what? So that's in Romans chapter 2. Paul said God will repay each person but according to what? Mm. The thinker for you? Mm-hmm. In Romans 2, Paul said, God will repay each person according to what? If you know the answer, 0491-064-669 is the number to text. We have an amazing prize this week. We sure do, and that's that beautiful book we're giving away, which is Food as Medicine by Sue Rad. Mm. Now, that was awarded the Best Health and Nutrition Cookbook in the World for 2017 at the prestigious Gorman World Cookbook Awards. It has 150 Plant-based recipes. It's a 400-page book. It's not a light little junior book. It's quite a heavy well full of knowledge of what to eat on a healthy basis for your overall health. So I mm. recommend that book. Absolutely. Hey, again, that number zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. And, of course, as usual, these books that we give out always come with the promise that – We'll show up at your house and you'll make food for us. Yes. Um, now, it's not as creepy or strange or, or as imposing as that <laughs> might sound. You know, we'll try and line something up beforehand. But yeah, we'd love to spend time with the listeners wherever you are listening from. We'll try to get out there. Again, you're listening to The Breakfast Show this morning. That number was 0491 We've got a text message that's coming from Wayne. He says, good morning, Lawson and Matthew and Shell. Blessings. Lawson, well said earlier. Amen. We all have challenges and trials. We all have different emotions and likes and dislikes. We all fall short. Jesus knows all these things. And he says in John 13, 34 to 35, he says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Once we see God's love, we can trust in Jesus, the Father, and the Holy Spirit, and we can repent as well. And I love this too. He quotes John 3.16, you know, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus is coming soon. He will make everything new. That's a beautiful thought. Uh, we look forward to a time in heaven, in on, in heaven and on the new earth. You know, at the second coming of Christ, when we are taken from the grave you know, to to heaven to paradise. Like we look forward to a time in which there is no breakdown of communication, there is no breakdown of trust, there isn't the vulnerability that was created at the garden. And you see that trust, you know, through you can say it's even through trauma. You see straight away, all of a sudden, they eat the fruit. And they're standing before each other, and they realize they're naked, and all of a sudden they feel vulnerable. Mm-hmm. They're like, "Hey, we need a, we need to cover up, you know? We are, we are, we are, we're, we're naked, we're, we're ashamed, and 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 so they covered up." Whereas, what we see that the model that God has given us in heaven is that of of trust. And now, I believe we can get a taste of heaven here, and that's not that you should, you know be so trusting that you should walk around with no clothes on definitely wear clothes that is uh we will reserve you know nakedness and immortality even though at that time we'll be clothed the bible says by the righteousness of christ we'll leave that for heaven uh but right now it's an emotional connection with people it's being able to trust people it's being able to 
to yeah, uh, submit to to one another's you know love and counsel um, because you you know that that person has your best interest at heart. Obviously, yeah. you can only vet that through time. Yes. But yeah, that's something we definitely look forward to. I love how you shared that, Lawson, because it does touch on a important factor that um, love can only be reciprocated. It, mm. it, it can't be mm-hmm. um, like invented. Mm. There's a source of it uh, that allows us to respond to it intellectually and emotionally. So yeah, I like, I like where you're going for that. Yeah, amazing stuff. And so we have been given the opportunity to love and to trust you know, let's put ourselves in situations where we're able to grow in that space. If we struggle, we definitely need to, whether it's connecting with our family, whether it's connecting with our local community. It's a fantastic thing to, to have trust and have connection, you know. And I, I was, last night, I was at a church meeting, as, as you do. And by church meeting, I mean like a more of a, a leadership meeting style, very small, talking about plans for the church this year. And we're talking about, yeah, you know, I shared just a bit of a story uh, of a situation that that I had uh, here at university at the university, the Avondale University Church, and that was that as a uni student, I was attending here in the first semester. I was attending the university, and I was going along to the university church. And I would say, like for the first semester, I was really connecting with a lot of the university students, and I would spend time with them. But you know. There are, there's a greater church community from the community, like from the area of Kurumbong and whatnot, who come, who comes along and, and to the church and, and very much run the church and very, you know, influential in the church. And it's kind of, you kind of see two sides of the church there. You've got the church community that's out in the local, you know, geography of the community. And then there are the uni students. And I spent all my time in the first semester connecting to the uni students. And then there was one day we all went for a picnic and it was during mid, mid year breaks. There was no students there. And I was kind of thrust into a situation where I had to really connect with the church members. And throughout that day, I was just having conversations with people and meeting new people. And then basically for the rest of the year, like every single Sabbath, every single church, you know, I had somewhere to go for lunch. People were inviting me over to their homes. I was making all these new connections in the community. And it was just simply through ending up in a situation where I I needed to connect and interact with, with people. And uh, I being, uh, you know, 20, you know, 24 years old and, and, uh, looking for people to spend time with, I put myself out there a little bit and make connections with people. And now they've lasted through and now I'm really connected in with the community. And I, I really want to encourage those that are listening. Maybe you are, uh, a recent church attender or a long-time church attender and you feel as though, oh, in this space of connection, maybe maybe I'm not feeling connection in my church. And uh, I think there's there's two sides to that coin. It's firstly being a, a person who facilitates connection, who is able to open their homes and open their lives for people to be a part of, and as well seeking it too. Because I think some people struggle to, to see the needs maybe. And there are people who, who are like, oh, Lawson, it's so great to meet you. Come over to my house every week and have lunch and stuff like that. Uh, those doors open for me once I was able to, to talk with those people and it took me taking a step and getting out there. Now I've built trust in that church community. Now I've got people who are in this church community now that I interact with who would do anything for me, like who would who would go out of their way so much for me, who I trust deeply and we have an amazing friendship. So it's it's awesome. I think you hit on the nail in terms of, you know, showing friendliness because there, there's this saying that goes like this, you know, I went, I went looking for friends and I couldn't find friends mm. anywhere. But I went to be a friend, and I found friends everywhere. Yeah. And there's, there's a verse in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24. says, A man that have friends must show himself friendly, and there is a friend that stick up closer 
than a brother. Just as what you just shared just now, Brother Lawson, when we show uh, a way that we add value to people, they reflect that reciprocally, especially when you go out so totally for that person. Mm. They see it's contrary to the world, where the world's all about mm. me first. Yeah, take and in the, yeah. And in the workplace, which is the, the, the climbing the corporate ladder, where I use you as an expense to get to the top. Mm. It's that, um, from the devil, that concept of survival of the fittest. But interestingly, we've, our Lord, our God, he is of the opposite principle. He's the one mm. I, I, I sacrifice myself. I reduce myself like to a human, and I give up my life for you. And it's interesting that John 3.16, you quote, you mentioned earlier, where first uh, John 3.16, that's the one that um, says that no greater love than this, that a man left down his life for his friends. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, so let's endeavor to connect with people by, you know, putting ourselves out there, by, uh, yeah, endeavoring to be a blessing to people. I think that's the biggest thing. And when we're asking Christ to be in our life, he will enable us to be a blessing. You might feel this morning listening, what do I have to offer people? And the reality is actually so much. Actually so much. And and we don't realize until we let Christ work in our lives. Oh man, there's so many stories I could tell on this of, you know, times in which Jesus has kind of brought something out of the woodwork in me or used me in some way that I just simply didn't expect. And the outcome of that, the positive fruit from that was connection in my local community uh, and blessing, you know, people being blessed. And so I, I'm, I'm really, I'm such an advocate for the fact that if we let Jesus use us, we will find those connections. So I think firstly, trust him and then we'll be enabled to find community and trust others as well, and we're going to be doing a Bible study in the book of Psalms, looking at some, you know, some various situations that people went through in which they, yeah, they really relied on the Lord and uh, had some interesting run-ins with Him, even. You're listening to the Breakfast Show. Connect with us on zero four nine one zero six four double six nine. Listening to The Breakfast Show this morning. All right, Matthew, we're going to be in Psalms 81. Let's pick that up. Do you want to get that for us? Psalms 81, and we'll read verse 7 and 8 in Psalms 81. You're just flicking there in the Bible? Yes. Just trying to find the page? I've got a way of saying, as I'm looking, mm-hmm. we're going to Psalms, Psalms 81. 81, uh-huh. and i found... Verse 7 and 8. Thank you. Verse 7 and <laughs> 8 says... You called in trouble, and I delivered you. I answered you in the secret place of thunder. I tested you at the waters of Meribah. Hear, O my people, and I will admonish you. O Israel, if you will listen to me. Mm. Okay, I tested you at Meribah. This is like, I think, I, I, I have questions around sentences like these in the Bibles or, or statements like this in the Bible, I tested you. Now, this is a reference to Exodus 17 and the story that unfolds there with the children of Israel in Meribah and the water coming out from the rock and whatnot. We're going to get into the story. But what does it mean when the Bible says, He, the Lord, tests us? I think it's really interesting. Is it is God actively making our lives more difficult? What do you think, Matthew? I believe the, the context should be somewhat altered to reflect truly what God means by that because it can come across like God is seeking to make us fail. Mm. But really that's not his intention at all. 
I mean, we all go through circumstances in life, trials, uh, tests, and it's, it's, it's how we react to those trials and tests as they present themselves as in anything, opportunities. Mm. And I believe in, in the workplace, they have this analysis called the SWOT analysis. Oh, yeah. SWOT. Yeah. Um, well, I've got some strengths, yeah. weaknesses, opportunities, mm. and threats. Mm. So you can take the positive. You can see the strength in the in the in that circumstance, and you can see the opportunity. Mm. Or you can only see the weakness and the threat. Mm. And it looks like the children of Israel took the wrong perspective. Yeah, for sure. Well, but I think this is really important because this is being this psalm is being written by Asaph. Yeah. He's talking about the Lord testing them. He said, like he's saying, he's talking to God. You know, and he's, you know, under the, under divine inspiration, he's saying, like, God, you tested them. And so the question is, like, okay, how does this work? Again, did, did God make their life difficult? Did God make their life hard? Especially when the Bible reads as such. This is in James chapter 1 and verse 12. The Bible says, Blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he is approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away from his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin when it is full grown brings forth death. So when the Bible says that these people are tested, yet the Bible says here in James that God tempts no one, you know, because I think of, oh, what's the test there? It's like difficult circumstances and temptation and whatnot. And the Bible says, oh, no, God doesn't tempt anyone. What are we actually seeing here? What is taking place? I think we can find it in this story itself. Let's go to Exodus 17 and spend some time there and get some perspective and understanding of how it is that God tests people. Because there has been a narrative shared amongst Christians that, oh yeah, God makes our life more difficult and it's for our benefit. In fact, people would go so far as to say God caused sin for our benefit. That is a type of theodicy or, you know, an understanding of the origin of evil. It's called the, I believe how you pronounce it is the Irenaeus theodicy or the soul making theodicy. And it's a reflection on some of the things that Irenaeus, who was a second century theologian was sharing and updated more recently, but it's essentially the idea. Yep. God caused and allowed sin to happen because it would make us better off in Mm. the long run. And the question is, well, is that so? Uh, is, is God wanting sin to take place? And I think we can, yeah, get some perspective in Exodus 17. So let's pick it up in Exodus 17. You don't want to start reading for us in verse 1 and just keep reading through. Gladly. It says here, Then all the congregation of the children of Israel set out on their journey from the wilderness of sin. Interesting. That's called sin. Mm. According to the commandment of the Lord. And camped in Rephidim. But there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore the people contended with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. And Moses said to them, Why do you contend with me? Why do you tempt the Lord? All right, let's stop there. Let's stop there. Okay, beginning here. All the congregation, they go into this wilderness, all right? Into the, they, they journey in the wilderness, and we know that they would end up journeying there for, for 40 years, uh, according to the commandment of the Lord. So why are they, why are they there? In this wilderness. What, what has happened just previous to this, Matthew? Yeah, so they've come out of Egypt. Yes. And they're going through now like a, like wilderness kind mm. of environments. And some of them are quite tough and some of them are quite barren, especially mm. to the point where supplies mm-hmm. are either you know, scarce 
mm. or non-existing mm. um, at this moment. So yeah, absolutely. They, they were tested earlier with manner. Yeah. So that was that was something they kind of failed on. Yeah. And now that that's food, and now yeah. we're looking at liquids. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> hey, I want to ask you the question: yeah. Is their emancipation from slavery? Freedom from slavery. Yeah. Yeah, better than them staying in Egypt and continually enslaved. Yeah, that's that's a that's a really really good question. I like it because this actually relates to the human condition. Uh huh. Have you heard? Uh, 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 what's it? Jim Carrey talk about the word. Depressed? No, no, I've, I've never, no, I haven't heard that. He says it's actually a, a survival instinct that we go through where we need deep rest. Oh, okay. Because we're trying to preserve ourselves from the, the outer world if we've lost our job and things and we're trying to just survive by making ourselves go into an internal kind of man cave mm-hmm, for men mm-hmm. or woman cave. It, so what do we do? We just go to our base instincts, mm-hmm. um, get involved in entertainments, anything to distract the mind because okay. we don't want to deal with stress. Mm-hmm. So these guys, when they get stressed, they only think what's the best coping, coping mechanisms they're familiar with. Mm. It's Egypt and all mm-hmm. the uh, good things that they felt came with it. But as you said rightfully, they were in slavery. Yeah. So objectively, what was better, being in slavery in Egypt or being, being slavery with God, or, or being out in the wilderness, right? And yeah. and I think the the clear indication from what you're saying is, although often they would look fondly back on their slavery because you know for for various reasons there was some stability or you know it was a really a form of kind of Stockholm syndrome, if anything. Yes, uh, but they would sometimes look fondly back at it. Being emancipated from their slavery was a far better situation from them for them. Now, who had enabled? Their emancipation. Yeah. Why were they being emancipated? It was also ultimately God. It was Moses. God. It was God, right? It was God. You know, God worked through Moses and the leaders and whatnot. And particularly, like, let's say God didn't intervene here and they tried to escape from slavery. What would have happened, do you think, Matthew? So say that again. If, what if, if happened, God, didn't intervene, God didn't intervene, if they wanted to find emancipation from slavery yeah. and God in, in, didn't intervene, they, they would have still been complaining for a liberal, like they would have been asking for a liberator. Yeah. Because that's what actually made God hear them in the first place. Mm. And he wanted to send Moses there. Yeah. Because my people cry out. They cry out. But let's say, yeah. like, without the help of God, like, they just decided to go and do it. They were just like, all right, we're leaving. Let's, let's, you know, start to walk out of this place. They would have been decimated. They would have been destroyed. Hey. Because what happened to the army of Egypt? It was destroyed by God during the crossing of the Red Sea, like, wholeheartedly. And before that point as well, you had the plagues and, the reality to understand here, and we're just unpacking this story and we're going to do so more. The reality to understand here is that their emancipation, their freedom from slavery was caused totally by God and enabled completely by God. It, was, it wasn't it was just that God wanted it to happen, but God made it happen. You know, these people were also, you know, consensual. They, they left when God had opened the door for them to, to leave. They, you know, they were working with God. They had a partnership with God. But it was 100% enabled by God. If God didn't show up, despite their calls and their wants for emancipation, they would not have been able to experience emancipation. Absolutely. They would have died immediately. So the perspective now is that this is 100% God's work. God is the one who has made this happen. But then it says here that they contended with Moses and they say, give us a drink, give us water that we may drink. The perspective that they're holding here, when it says they contended with Moses, you know, if you're thirsty and you're desperate for water, we're not saying that it's not okay to to ask the question, hey, where's water? But what's happening here is a deep distrust 
in the leading that God has made so far in providing them food. And now they're asking, they're contending with Moses. And his response here is, why do you contend with me? Why do you tempt the Lord? Like, why are you making this an issue? God will provide. Uh, But there is this deep distrust that is happening here. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. And right now we have our final quiz question for today. Thank you, Matthew. We do. So to our faithful and beautiful listeners, this is your last question of the day. day. Proverbs 17 teaches us that those who forgive faults foster love, but those who repeatedly recall them ruin what? Mm. I love that. Faithful and beautiful listeners. <laughs> yeah, all everyone who listens to Faith FM, it, only beautiful people listen to Faith FM. So if you're listening this morning, you are beautiful. And we have that epic, again, Proverbs 17. Those who forgive faults fosters love, but those who repeatedly recall them to ruin what? What do they ruin? What do they ruin? If, you, if you're constantly pointing out the faults in your brothers and sisters, what are you ruining? If you know the answer to that one... Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. I want to talk about. I want to talk about this one here. This is this is like there's so, there's so much to talk about. I, I don't know if we should unpack it now. We should we should wait. That's bags should, upon bags upon let, bags. Yeah, open. yeah. We're, we're looking at some some baggage, some difficulties right here. We're going to get into it in our quiz answers section right now. We are going to continue in Exodus. Again, that number is zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. And you'll win this book, which is Food as Medicine. That's a right. Four hundred page book with one hundred and fifty plant based recipes. We recommend you get in it to win it because it's about having your health which helps you get your wealth absolutely <laughs> yeah man get mate get that money get you know get healthy that's what that's what we're about we're also here about you know following god um and speaking of following god the children of israel have followed the lord you know led by moses out into the wilderness they're complaining about water and they're seeing this as this dire and drastic circumstance that they're in now the bible in psalm 81 calls this moment a test. Yes. And the question is for me, it's like, oh, did God lead them to a place, you know, intentionally where there was no water so that they would go through a hard time and turn to him? And I'm going to say that we need to do a little bit of reframing here. Okay, so we already established if they tried to escape, if they tried to emancipate themselves, they would have just been destroyed. Immediately from the Egyptian army. The reality of their situation in the wilderness of sin, like in the desert, is that there is no water. <laughs> like, there is no water. If they had have made it out here by themselves, like, which is their only option for emancipation, there would be no water. God has led them out there. And there is no water. I don't think it is the case that God took them to a place where there's no water just to test them. There's no water anywhere. Period. Period. That's how it is. And I feel like this is the beautiful way in which God works in terms of making the impossible happen. There was no option for them. There was no freedom for them. God took them, you know, and it took, you know, although there was some difficult circumstances in this, God was leading them. The trial that's happening here is that, hey, you would have been in this, if you made it past the army of the Egyptians, you would have been in this position anyway. 
Not, I put you in this position, now you have to turn to this to me. You would have been here anyway. You would have been stuck in the desert with no water. The test is, despite the inevitable consequences of sin, being in a desert with no water, going through all kinds of trials and difficulties and heartaches, what are you going to do? Absolutely. Like, here's a flip thought to consider. Mm. They were in a place in Egypt where they were in a land of plenty. Mm. But the the irony is the taskmasters didn't want to give them plenty. They yeah. wanted to give them rations. Mm. Now, there's an opposite environment here. They're not in a place of plenty. They're in a barren place. In fact, wilderness means a place of barrenness and mm. wandering. Mm. Wandering around thinking, what do we do here? Well, it's a time to contemplate. Yeah. Do you lean to yourself or should you be thinking about the one that's delivered you? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And and this is just the case. God doesn't need to make the circumstances bad. We have made them bad enough. Like this is this is hugely important to understand. Sin was caused by people. And, you know, you can say Satan originally by humans on this earth, like and the the negative consequences that come as a result were also caused by people. Now you could say, oh, well, what person caused a child to be born with, you know, cancer or, you know, bone cancer, or whatever, and, and to die when they're young? And that is the unfortunate reality of sin. Yes. That was the decision that Adam and Eve were making in the beginning that, oh, now people will be hurt and will be afflicted and there will be no ability to control that. That's the nature of sin is that it caused it causes hurt to people who don't deserve it and people participate in hurting others like it's that is the reality this this ongoing effect of sin and where god stands in that yeah he does not need to make the circumstances bad in order to test you they are already bad and now all that these people are experiencing are alleviations from those circumstances yep. but unfortunately and we kind of talked about this a little bit in the in the song during the song there matthew you know we we had the mics closed and we we're talking about gratefulness you were talking about gratefulness and the lack of gratefulness that they had and the and the lack of this just Umption or, or whatever it may be, just to turn to God, like which they should have done. They should have realized by this point it is God who has enabled everything, despite any hard circumstances situation that comes upon us. It is God that is bringing about every single good for us. Yeah. Therefore, the test here again isn't that God is making your life hard, it's that your life is already hard, it's that things are already difficult. What are you going to do? Absolutely. Are you going to turn to him? And it's unfortunate the Israelites, instead of turning to him, they contend with Moses. <laughs> they complain to Moses. They complain to a to an agency of man. They go to him and they say, Hey, Moses, what have you done? Like, what have you done to us, Moses? And, you know, why why have you led us out here by the name of the Lord to kill us? And, and, and Moses' response here is very apt. He says, Why do you contend with me? Why do you tempt the Lord? Like, why? Why do you want? Do you want to cause your own destruction? Yeah. Turning to me rather than turning to God and contending and complaining to me rather than falling before God in gratefulness and asking Him to give you a solution to this. It continues on. Do you want to pick it up in Exodus chapter 17 and keep reading the next verses from verse 3 and, and read down to verse, I'd say, maybe 6 or 7? Gladly. And it says, And the people thirsted there for water, and the people complained against Moses and said, why is it you have brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord, saying, What shall I do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. 
And the Lord said to Moses, Go on before the people and take with you some of the elders of Israel, and also take in your hand your rod with which you struck the river and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock in Horeb, and you shall strike the rock and water will come out of it, that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. So he called the name of the place Massah and Meribah, because of the contention of the children of Israel, and because they tempted the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Mm, yeah, absolutely. We see, you know, he uh, he strikes the rock here, and and you know that like this is the solution that is given by God. This is clearly a supernatural solution that he is given here, and 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 yeah, like we see clearly, you know, God opening the doors for salvation, God working good amongst His people and often it's the people who are causing bad and causing heartaches and causing difficulties and so yeah i guess in application for those who are listening this morning for those of us and it's it's us at various times who are before god and they're like god why is my situation so difficult like why am i experiencing this is to stop and to realize okay any any good thing here is is coming from the Lord, and hey, let's seek Him rather than you know maybe complain to Him and distance ourselves from Him because of the difficulties we're coming through and blaming Him for them. Seeking Him rather, knowing that He is the only one who can give us rest from these very real and dire circumstances that we might find ourselves in. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. I'm looking at my good friend Matthew, bro. It's studio headphones. You got to you got to flip it around the other way. I feel like it's like a Rubik's cube. Um, I just can't get the right. <laughs> yeah, yes, you can. Oh, you yeah. just you just have to just have to know. What, this is the thing. It's like a Rubik's cube. You know, you just have to know what to do. I I have never solved a Rubik's cube in my life because I literally have no idea how they work. I have really good friends of mine who are absolute guns. Shout out those guys. I. They just say, like, I ask them, them the question, I'm like, how do you solve a Rubik's Cube? And they're like, oh, dude, it's all about algorithms. Algorithms? And I'm like, what, what does that mean? Yeah, like, what does that, that, that exactly? means nothing to me. And they're like, trust me. Like, these are my engineering friends. They all bring Rubik's Cubes when we hang out. I'm like, they're like, yeah, bro, it's about the algorithms. I'm like, dude, just speak English, bro. Yeah, no. like, t- tell us what's up. <laughs> hey, speaking of speaking and giving some answers and then letting things be made known, we have some answers for the quiz if you can get through them, Matthew. Right, kicking off with the first one, what profits? bones revived a dead man and the answer to that is elisha yeah wow you know he was dried up when he's dead of course and his bones remain but when they touch someone's body on him they're up and they're running around Mm. two fill in the blank exodus chapter 40 verse 34 now the word that's missing in there is the word cloud now it Mm. makes sense like this then the blank cloud covered the tabernacle of meeting and the glory of the lord filled the tabernacle and moses was not able to enter the tabernacle of meeting because the cloud rested mm. above it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. So oh, clear. nice. Three, starting with the letter O, what is a common tree in the Middle East and common in our book wouldn't give away today? It is the olive tree. Mm. Do you like olives, Matthew? Love them. Oh, olives are the best. I like all kinds of olives. I was, you know, as a kid, I think I was an olive hater. I didn't take to them, like, as a youngin, but I think I was 15. You liked was, olives? Yeah, I was, well, I was 15. The green 16. ones I don't like. Okay, I like the green ones. You like the green ones? I like the green ones. I like the black I like every single kind Kalamata of... Kalamata I like. Yeah, yeah. I love all the olives. I actually learned to love green olives. This is when I was 
I was living in Europe. I was 15, 16, 17. And I didn't like olives up to that point. And then we would go to this pizza restaurant up the road from us. It was like a really nice, legit. I was living in Spain. Yes. But this was like a really good pizza, you know, Italian style pizza restaurant. And yeah, they would have a bowl of green olives just sitting there, you know, ready for you when you'd sit down at the table and you'd order your pizza and just eat olives. And at first I was like, ooh, but then I, I just grew to love them, mate. The how, how? What, what did you do? Did you add salt on it or sauce? No, 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 no just straight. Just straight. That, that's, that's always like, I, I truly believe that we can change our taste buds. I've kind of been on a journey as well with spicy food. Yes. I can now eat spicy food when previously I couldn't at all. I do try to go easy on it though. I know, I know that it's not good for our stomach health to, to just smash spicy food 24 seven, but I'm, I'm pretty much, I can eat any spicy food now. And that I came from like being able to eat nothing. And it was just over the course of a year, just eating more and more and more. And now I really enjoy it. Do you guys like garlic, garlic bread? Like oh, bread. My wife did not like garlic bread. Really? Know? Yeah. So what I did, I started putting a little bit of garlic inside the bread, and then she loves garlic <laughs> bread today. <laughs> that's, that's good. Tricker. Training. So All I right. asked two questions there. Is in Romans chapter two, Paul said God will repay each person according to what, and it's their works, mm. you know what they've done. Mm. And yeah, and I think that's a reflection. You know, it's interesting because there are those who rally so hard against salvation by works, and we should. The Bible says salvation is by grace, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Sure. But God is wanting to work in our lives. He's wanting to work in our hearts. And a reflection of that gift of grace that he's given us is the manifestation of fruit of or works, yeah. you know, things that come from that. Which is initially faith-fueled. Mm. Um, Proverbs Chapter 17 teaches us, this is question five, that those who forgive faults foster love, but those who repeatedly recall them ruin what? Friendships. Friendships, yeah. Uh, it, I, I, I think that rebuke is a, a necessary part of life. Uh, I think that it is good and healthy at times to lead people down a better direction if they're, you know, making decisions that are not positive for themselves. But simultaneously, I think that Getting on someone constantly and not giving them space to move it rather than, you know, encouraging them and helping them is definitely not good for them. I think also that just re-bringing up something that happened that you supposedly forgave the person for. Mm. You say you've forgiven them, but then three years later you recall it and you bring it back up again. That's, you know, an issue that it's really severely talking about right here. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, making sure that we, uh, yeah. Being gracious towards people, um, encouraging them to good works. We've come to the end of the show this morning. And Matthew. Yes, sir. Thank you for joining us. It's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. I'm sad to see the show end. Yeah. But like all things begin... All things must come to an end. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, I want to give away a book this morning at the end of the show. We always give away something for free where you don't need to answer any questions. You just need to be the first person to take or to text our station in at 0491064669. This is a race to the phones for a book here. It's called The Origin of the Centered Self. And I want to give this one away. We've given it away recently on the show. I wanted to give it a one, give it away again. It's by Glenda Jackson. And it's the idea, it's about free will. Free will and self and how, you know, different people have at different times had ideas about how it is that free will works and interacts with the world, but how it is that God is showing us how our free will works, how it's a blessing to us, and how we can use it to follow 
him. It's 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 a very I'll say a philosophical book, uh, getting into some deep topics. If you have some questions around that, okay, well, what is free will and how has God given it to us and how does that function and how does sin play into that conversation as well? That number is zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Text that number. Be the first person to text through with the word book and you'll get that absolutely for free. But hey, we've come to the end of the show and remember, guys, to talk faith, to live faith and to act faith. Do those things today and you'll grow strong in Jesus Christ. God be with you till we meet again. God be with you till we meet again. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1 800 Faith FM.